This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Here's what we know so far. The suspect is named Akairola, and he is a 27-year-old immigrant from Bangladesh who lived in Brooklyn. He was wearing an explosive device, I think a pipe bomb, strapped to his body, and it went off in the subway terminal under the Port Authority bus terminal. Police believe it detonated prematurely in what Mayor Bill de Blasio is calling an attempted terrorist attack. After the blast... Police had to strip the suspect in order to remove it, and that sounds like very dangerous and unpleasant work to me. Of course, it's no accident that this is happening about around Christmas time, and thank God it was not a lot worse because it certainly could have been. Uh, the numbers to call if you want to weigh in on this attempted terrorist attack, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And with me in studio, I have security and terrorism expert Ross McLean. Hi, Ross. Good to be with you, Libby, and good to be reporting that this was a more or less a bungled failed attempt. Otherwise, this could have been a lot worse today in New York. Okay, well, uh, so it turns out this guy uh, was working in an electronics store? Yeah, he worked for an electrical company. All this information is starting to come out now. The police have tried to keep his name and his whereabouts sort of quiet as long as they could because the first thing they're doing is running all this down. They want to go to the home. They want to look for evidence. They want to look for associates. They want to ask questions before people all become aware of who this person is. Uh, But the name has come out now, as you said, you just announced on the newscast for doing it, 27-year-old who came from Bangladesh apparently seven years ago. So they'll be doing all the resources now to run down everything they can about how this person came to be wearing a pipe bomb, velcroed to himself, and having it detonate in New York City's uh, terminal today. Okay, well, uh, you know, in Bob's news, he reported that uh, they're saying he had no associates, uh, and uh, this appears to be a lone wolf attack inspired by ISIS, but not having any contact. So I want to know, um, this happened this morning. How can they be so sure about all of that so fast? Well, typically what the police do is they'll announce what they know, and they'll say when they don't know something as if as if calling that what it is. Usually when I like to give my analysis, I try to give it uh, from a, a law enforcement point of view, but I also try to give the investigation point of view, which is different. Police can't say that sort of thing. So they're going to be looking into it. And as I've said before, I don't believe there's any such thing as lone wolf. There's not much of a difference for me between ISIS-inspired or ISIS-ordered. If ISIS sent him in a direct email or if he's just watching it all, learning it all, taking it from ISIS sites about how to build bombs, following bombs, I mean, that's how they communicate. That's how they create terror. That's how they create bombs. That's how they launch attacks. To me, it's it's all ISIS-related. We'll just find out how tightly it's woven and what the trail is. Okay. Uh, now, uh, you were you were saying uh, that they found some 
ball bearings near him. I mean, uh, just people, in case you know, uh, this. some of this was caught on surveillance video, and uh, you can see it online. We ran a little bit of this on the newscast, but, uh, you know, it's on the New York Times website. If if you want to look, you know, it's, it's pretty blurry, but then all of a sudden you see him lying on the ground. Yeah, that's fairly graphic video. But I think what makes it more graphic is, like you say, it's fairly low resolution because it's a cell phone picture of a, of a picture of the, um, of the video. Uh, but what you can see is the, uh, the explosive going off and him ending up on the ground and his leg twitching as he's lying there on the ground. And so what's going to be happening here, Libby, is the, uh, the FBI becomes the lead agency as soon as it's determined to be terror. They're going to work, obviously, very closely with New York counterterrorism, who is all over that area of New York. They, they've got the best trained people all over the area. I mean, there's probably going to be more video. My understanding is they're going to have pictures of him uh, walking around in parts of New York. There's some early speculation that he was probably looking to do it closer to Times Square or something like that. But he saw that it was too tight, so he went to the subway. That's, that's some of it. So we'll see what's going on here. We have some new information in. So uh, Bangladesh police, uh, the police chief there says the suspect uh, is a U.S. resident, has no criminal record in Bangladesh. But here is a very important tidbit. He last visited Bangladesh in September. And there you go. How often have we talked about when we've been here on too many occasions, Libby, talking about these terror events that past recent travel is usually an indicator that we've seen in many of these uh, terrorist attacks. Now, if you go back and look at Bangladesh, they themselves as a country claim that there's no ISIS terrorism in Bangladesh. That's not what the evidence shows. There's all kinds of ISIS terror that's gone over there, bombings, suicide bombings. They have women involved in suicide bombings. And there's suspicion that there's also terrorist training camps in Bangladesh. So if he has just been back there, that is one key indicator as how someone gets to travel with his profile back to an area that's considered dangerous. There are warnings about traveling to Bangladesh and then back into the country. Well, um, what profile if he has no criminal record and presumably we'll, we have to see what, you know, were police watching him in the United States, but if they haven't. Well, what we're seeing is basically an archaeological dig almost on, on terrorists now because what we're seeing is how these people have gotten over uh, seven or ten years ago where the things weren't quite on the radar the way they are now. We're, we've heard about in the past the lottery program where people from dangerous areas could get lottery tickets, if you will, wins to get into the United States. And, you know, the one just committed terrorism with that. That was the truck driver, I believe, not far from where this incident yeah. took place. So they'll be looking to see what made this person qualify. I mean, I know lots of people who'd love to get a chance to work in the United States and move down there who don't get the opportunity. So there'll certainly be some looking as to what process was followed. And when it comes to, look, when it comes to doing any criminal record in Bangladesh, many of these countries have got zero for infrastructure for being able to tell who someone is or what they did or get criminal record checks. Fake ID is easy to purchase, easy to find, false passports. That's exactly why the U.S. has put a ban on that number of countries. I don't believe Bangladesh was on it, but on that number of countries where you just can't come from there because you can't be sure who you're getting. So that's part of the problem. Okay, um, let's uh, get to this business of of the police uh, stripping him to get that vest off. Yeah, they're going to be looking very closely at how this bomb was made. Now, my suspicion is about this bomb, it's being described as a pipe bomb. 
which was Velcroed and zip-tied onto his body. The picture that's on the front of the New York Post that I saw and posted earlier, you can see him lying on the ground. The police have him handcuffed, and they're, you're just you can see where a knife has come out, and they've cut his jacket open to look inside of his jacket for more devices. Uh, you can see lying in front of him what appears to be a cellophane bag full of ball bearings. That's typically the projectiles that are used when these bombs go off. And you can see the scarring and the burns and lacerations in around his belly. So typically, they're going to look to see what sort of uh, accelerant and explosive device was used. One of the one that's used most commonly is something called it's TPAP. Uh, it's made from uh, hydrogen peroxide. The, you can get the information for how to make these bombs online. The only problem with it is it's a very unstable explosive. Hence, it looks like this one went off prior to when he wanted it to go off and it wasn't built correctly and that it never had the chance to fire those projectiles. Thank goodness. Otherwise, we would have had more fatalities and worse injuries. Yeah, there were no fatalities, you know, knock whatever. Some headaches, some hurt eardrums, some eyes, maybe a little bit of burning or something like that. But had he gotten into a train and detonated that and it had gone successfully, it would have been worse. There was, I'm trying to remember, I believe it was in New York City more than about six months ago, there was a similar uh, bomb that was found that, someone attempted to set off and it just burned and it came up with flaming and all that and people got burned but the projectiles didn't go off once again because the bomb was not built correctly so fbi will be looking to see where he got the materials from where he got the instructions from and how to do it if anybody tried to help him to do it and uh, i suspect they're going to find some sort of collusion at some point with somebody helping to radicalize him or point him to websites or those sort of things but we'll see Okay, I'd uh, I'd like to get to the Christmas connection, and I'd like to throw it open to our listeners. Uh, just wondering, okay, their their terrorist attacks happen around Christmas time. Uh, we had that horrible bomb in the Christmas market in Germany. Um, I'd like to get into the reasoning behind that. I'm just wondering. Uh, from people, are they worried? Are you uh, trying to be a little more vigilant this time of year as you're out and about? Numbers to call: four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I'm here with Ross McLean, security and terrorism expert, and we are talking about this latest incident in New York City, which thankfully could have been a lot worse, but wasn't. A suspect in custody. A pipe bomb that was strapped to his body went off uh, prematurely. Uh, There are about four people injured, and um, it is what the mayor there is calling uh, an attempted terrorist accident. So, So, Ross, I mean, I would imagine that authorities everywhere are on higher alert this time of year. They are. And and what happens typically, and we've talked about this before, particularly as we've seen what's happened over in London with all their terrorism, what police are left to do, Libby, is cancel days off, no time off. You're working overtime is what they do. And so you end up at a certain point getting a burned out police department trying to be on high alert for these things all the time. I was talking to some intelligence officials just last week about the issues, and and police forces have got massive resources put together to deal with trying to provide event security. We've got a parade going on right now downtown Toronto for the soccer win. You know, they're going to City Hall. There's talk of City Hall looking at putting in those cement blocks to prevent any vehicle attacks at City Hall. And when I was speaking to you just before last Christmas at this time, we saw the cement blocks being put around the Christmas market down in the distillery district. So it's becoming 
a way of life right now that we have to look at dealing with terrorism when we're out and about. Mm-hmm. And um, what advice do you have for people? I know we've talked about this before. You have to watch whenever you're in public areas, you're going to places, make sure they've got the security set up there. Uh, like one, you know, one of the biggest keys I think we need to do here is the best defense you have against this sort of terrorism, Libby, is intelligence. The intelligence, our RCMP, our national security uh, uh, terrorist uh, team, they need to have all the support they can get to find these people. Because let me tell you, I've worked with uh, events where where they're working to put together security to prevent this sort of thing to happen. It's horrendously expensive to do it, to have it on an ongoing basis, and have people trained to know how to look at someone, search them, and find if they've got a device or something like this on them. It's a very expensive thing. And as, and getting them after they've detonated it is the worst thing. So we have to really pull for our intelligence resources and give them the resources and the laws and the courts to lock these people up because doing it after it happens, Libby, it's just, it's just a tragedy I don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, is, is, is there any conclusion to be drawn from, from this event here this morning? Well, I think the conclusion to be drawn is that ISIS is continuing, even though it's being defeated uh, in the battlefield, is continuing. They've got uh, fighters, people who are willing for the cause, spread throughout the world who are willing to act and do things. They've got people who are trained in how to do bombs, trained in how to do terrorist acts, and they're willing to use them to enable people like this to go out to public areas to pick on innocent people. It, that's what they're willing to do. And we have to, we have to face up to that. We've got that problem. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, hear from Giovanni in Brampton. Hello, Giovanni. Uh, yes. Good afternoon. Uh, in San Ontario here, a very um, good talking about the respond. I would like to talk about respond. I would say that the respond, when these things happen, it should be a respond by the police and local police, at least one or two miles of radio. I'm talking about respond north, south, east, and west, and join everybody there and check everybody. So I think you would be find something more important there, maybe legal gun or some uh, drugs or anything like that. That's my things to say on it today. Thank you. Okay. Well, Thank you. Gio, Giovanni is right. And one of the things they do down in New York, they responded to this well. Look, the subway was up and running again a little more than an hour and a half later uh, for making this happen. And in Toronto, people can feel comfortable about this at least. The Toronto police, the Toronto fire, the surrounding police departments, the surrounding fire departments do exercises, uh, both real simulations for terrorist exercises as, w- as well as what are called tabletop exercises where they'll sit around and they'll say, this happened, we do this, we do that. And that is absolutely and an imperative thing to do as a law enforcement or security agency to look after people is to practice and drill so you're ready if these things happen. Okay. Um, so, uh, again, um, any conclusion to draw from this? Um, do you think that, uh, I mean, I've, I've been being very careful about what I'm saying because I don't want to encourage anything. Do you think police are expecting more of this type of thing? Police, uh, I'm telling you, I've just, I was speaking to some police just last week. They, they, they are going to respond. They are going to do what they have to do. But let me tell you, uh, 
uh, Libby, the resources only go so far. When you have to go secure a major event and go do it, it takes planning. The I know in the Toronto Police, they've got special teams that are put together just to do this, to make sure they've got it covered. They've got models for doing it. But that takes a lot of resources, and it takes away from other problems that we're hearing about in the city, like uh, missing persons, murders, and other things. These are all resources that have to go out to do it. But I know... I know that the Toronto police are doing their best, and I know based on results that the RCMP are doing their best. But I don't want to report when they miss. Uh, okay, and, and, you know, hopefully there are a lot of things that we are not reporting because they've caught it before anything happens. There is. There, there, there is a lot of dedicated people doing a lot of dedicated work, and this is dangerous work, very dangerous work. So, uh, you know, I would say... Talk to your politicians when you can and say, look, it's support the police, deal with this, deal with terrorism seriously. We just had protests the other day down University Avenue because of the naming of Jerusalem yep. as the capital of Israel. So we've got uh, people here. We've got as popular to wear things like the Palestine Liberation Scarves at our universities. This is all very popular to talk about. People call them Nazis and everything else. It's becoming a bit of a powder keg and... Uh, it's just terrible. Like you say, who wants to inspire this? We should all, as a, as a people, want to denounce this and, and silence this and deal with it correctly. Okay. Uh, Ross, it is always a pleasure to talk with you, but I hope that we don't have to be talking with you about anything like this anytime soon. And um, have a very happy holiday. Well, I'm hoping the next one is major arrests they make that are preemptive if we're going to talk about terror again, Libby. And yes... Okay, you. but you know what? We'll we'll take we'll take one question before okay. we go to break. Donna in Toronto. Hello, Donna. Yeah, hi, Libby. I just want to ask one question. Um, is it the fear of terrorism that uh, makes uh, democratic countries, um, you know, go against Israel, or you know, like they should be supporting Israel? They should be supporting it, not. Anyway, I just want to know, what is it that makes them like that? They're democratic countries. They know that Israel is a democratic country. Um, you know, like, why why do they deal with, um, with these countries that are opposed to Israel, Muslim countries all over the place? Um, you know, why? Why do they have to appease them? Don't appease them. Tell them the truth. This is what it is. And, you know, behave yourself so you're going to get it. And it's the only way to deal with it. Okay, Donna, thanks for that. Well, I, I think that was more of a comment than than a question, um, I guess, sort of related to our topic. Um, it's a good comment. Look, uh, g- generally speaking, on a macro level, one of the things you're seeing today is you're seeing a return to tribalism all over the world where we're seeing institutions fail. We're seeing that in the Far East with China, Japan, and the Philippines, North Korea. We're seeing it with the EU struggling to keep together. We're seeing it with Russia getting involved in Syria. We're falling back to old tribalisms and, and, and blood hates, if you will. And that's some of what's going on with this. So we're going to have to get our act together as a, as a world a little bit better than we're doing. Okay. Let's hope the whole world gets in the Christmas spirit. Ross McLean. Great chatting with you. Thanks for that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some important developments for people who need disability tax credits, particularly people with diabetes. Uh, And I think we have good news for them. How's that for a change? When we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.